1: Oh boy, okay, let's do this. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked on Vikings. I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. And today, unfortunately, we have to dive deep into the horror show that was the Vikings 16-6 loss in Soldier Field against the Bears. That was difficult to watch, and there were a whole bunch of reasons for it. So ultimately, the vibe of the game was really frustrating. You know, the, the the offense could do nothing. They couldn't get the ball going on the ground. That vaunted run game that we spent so much time talking about and praising and everything. The, the Bears, as I kind of figured, like figured out how to stop a run game. It's not hard if you commit to a run game to stop it. The idea is that if you've committed to stop a run game, that it's opened up things for the passing game. But so many things went wrong with the passing game, namely pressure continues to be an issue as it always has. Although I I believe numerically, the number of plays that were pressured was actually pretty acceptable considering like what your expectations would be against the Bears, especially with the Vikings. Like I think they overperformed what I thought they would do, which was a low bar, but it's something. I thought Kirk Cousins was absolutely atrocious in this game. If you follow me on Twitter, you would know that I, I spent a lot of time criticizing him. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, and and I thought that just overall, the offense really couldn't figure out how to move the ball on on a Bears defense that was throwing looks at them that I guess they just couldn't figure out. Um, I, I really want to dive deeper into the tape because I think there are things happening downfield that I can't really have a take on this until I know what that was, and it's not going to be shown on the broadcast, so I just don't know. Uh, but ultimately, the offense bad is probably the take that you should take away from this. The defense gave up an an opening drive touchdown and then uh, made a a stop in the red zone for them to go up 10-0. And after that, there were a couple of drives that went down the field for a field goal. But ultimately, statistically, the defense managed to stop the Bears pretty cold. And part of that was that Mitchell Trubisky hurt his shoulder on like the third play of the game or something like that. So the Vikings ended up going up against Chase Daniel for most of this game, but still couldn't pull out the win, which is pretty pathetic, not because the defense struggled against a backup. I thought they did pretty well against the backup. They did certainly better than your average defense would do by a significant margin, which is what we should expect from the defense, but more so because an NFL offense put up one touchdown on the road in a pretty important divisional game. And I think the problems with that are things that could have been fixed if they were simply smarter about it. And I'll get a little bit more into that as well. But I think it's important with losses like this that are particularly frustrating. Like When you look at the final score, obviously I think saying it was a 10-point loss like mischaracterizes the game pretty strongly. I think it was obviously a, a lot less close than the score implies. Uh, I feel like I'm saying that about every game, but maybe final scores aren't a great indicator of how games went. I don't know, maybe. But I think it's fair to say that this loss is particularly frustrating, not because of what happened in it. I mean, the Bears held your offense to six points. They're maybe one of the best defenses in in the league, if not the best. That shouldn't be that surprising, but it's the circumstances leading up to it that make it particularly frustrating. Uh, Kirk Cousins had another fumble issue. This is a thing for him. You know, the run game was shut down and the Vikings offense couldn't, Figure out a way to take advantage of what the bears had to do to do that. That's really frustrating because I think everybody and their mother sitting at home could have, you know, could have predicted that that would happen and how did you not see that coming and have better answers for this? How did you not have better answers to Khalil Mack beating your average left tackle, right? Riley Reef is an average left tackle and and he, he held up to Khalil Mack as you'd expect an average left tackle to do. Gave up a few pressures but didn't embarrass himself and that had way more of, of an impact on the game than it deserved to have both because the quarterback did very poorly in handling it but also because the way that the Vikings approached this game wasn't really well set up to handle something like Khalil Mack, and that seems really strange. Like, did you not expect him to generate a bunch of pressure? He's Khalil Mack. Adding to the frustration is that Chase Daniel, I thought, had a really good game. I mean, I know he's a backup and our priors are, on him are really low, but he played excellently. It gave me vibes of, like, Nick Foles just, like, hitting every single pass in the NFC Championship game, no matter what it was, just throwing, like, dart after dart. And I thought that Chase Daniel actually did a really good job of that. I thought that the backup that came in for Roquan Smith and the backup that came in for uh, Akeem Hicks, both of whom missed this game, played really, really well. So, like, that's really frustrating. Like, they had a bunch of players out and their backups came in and did just as well, and, and that's just like, all right, well, you know, you can't catch a break. It seemed like every 50-50 situation, every questionable review went the Bears' way, every ball bounced the Bears' way, all the fumbles were recovered except for one by the Bears, and even that fumble, or even the fumble that the Vikings ended up getting back, the Bears pretty much had first. So it just seemed like every single thing went against the Vikings from a luck standpoint. Uh, Not that that's an excuse, because everything from a skill standpoint probably pointed to the Bears, like, deserving a win anyways, but it just adds to that, like, layer of of frustration. So with a game that is frustrating like this, here's what I want to do. I want to take a step back, because I think obviously the way that people handle losses like this is to extrapolate and to make, you know, bigger picture thing. Fire Mike Zimmer! Trade Kirk Cousins somehow, even, a, even though he has a no-trade clause. And so what I want to do is I just want to play a little bit of, you know, some nice relaxing tones... And I think that there are some positives we can take away, and I want to start with that so that we can all take a step back and we can just chill. So everybody take in a deep breath with me, you know, just in really deeply and out very deeply. Nice and slow. Breathe with me. Let your your muscles relax. Just take a big deep breath in and slowly let it out. And take a deep breath in and think about how Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter were really unbelievable in this game for the fourth time in a row. It seems like there's like there's a good chance that there is not a game this year where those two don't just go off and have a huge impact on the game. And in fact, the the general inefficiency of the Chicago Bears offense was had a lot to do with Chase Daniel getting the ball out very quickly, which was made a necessity because... Hunter and Griffin were crushing these tackles, like, all day. I can't wait to see the pressure numbers. And so even though uh, there were a lot of completions made in front of corners like Rhodes and Wayne's, they were acceptable completions that ended up in punts most of the time. The Vikings were incredible on defense on third down for most of the game. They started out uh, allowing four of seven on third down, and then they went one of nine for the rest of the game, and they ended up allowing a, a very, very inefficient performance from the Bears' offense. I actually see a lot of people somehow blaming the defense for this particular performance, and while they did give up an opening drive touchdown, which may be frustrating, overall, the defense was amazing, and they continue to be amazing. I want you to exhale, inhale, and exhale, thinking about how amazing the defense is, and will continue to be, and even if the offense continues to struggle, the defense will keep you in those games. Much like in this one, where in the fourth quarter we we still thought, hey, two scores, stranger things have happened. That will be a dynamic, and, and this is about as bad as it gets. That's a pretty good floor, if we're being honest. And I want you to think about Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen, even though they were frustrated on the sideline, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. We can think about how they played very well in this game. They were open down the field very often, and even though the quarterback couldn't see them, and that's very frustrating, we know that what we think of Diggs and Thielen and how good they are isn't false, and that's something that we can take a lot of solace in. And I finally, I just want to wrap this up by saying the Vikings are 2-2. and I know that, that it seems very bleak right now. They're 0-2 in the division. They probably needed to take one of these games if they wanted to, you know, be able to compete for what's going to be a tightly and hotly contested NFC North. Not having these tiebreakers is going to hurt them a lot down the stretch. But the season ends with rematches against the Packers and the Bears. And if you can rattle both of those off, I, I like their chances. Being 2-2 two two isn't a death sentence. Being bad is, and there's things that need to be fixed if they want a chance, and we don't need to invalidate that but we can still say, hey, they're at 500 and they've got a couple of winnable games coming down the pipe here. I think that this season is still worth paying attention to. So with that, I'm going to turn off this nice little music here and, uh, I'm going to change gears a little bit. I want to talk to you about Blinkist. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books. Go to Blinkist.com slash locked on to try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription when that free trial expires. I also want to talk to you about your game viewing experience. Maybe you are like me and you watch on TV all the time uh, or stream it or whatever, and maybe you don't want to miss anything to go out and get food when it's time to get food, so I would like to recommend DoorDash to you. Sometimes, especially in the middle of a very stressful Sunday game against a division rally, you don't exactly have time to like get up and cook something to eat, but you still gotta eat, right? It's super easy. Open the DoorDash app, order what you want, and it will be delivered right to your door, or wherever you are. DoorDash features 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities, so you might find something you didn't even know about through DoorDash. With door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada, order from your local go-tos or just choose from favorites like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, whatever you like. Don't worry about dinner. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash. And right now, our listeners, this is special just for you guys. You can get $5 off of your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code locked on. Five bucks off of your first order when you download the app and enter promo code locked on. That's promo code locked on for $5 off go check it out. Fellas, I also want to talk to you about Blue Chew. Blue Chew is the very first chewable tablet of its particular kind in the same category as Viagra and Cialis. Well, the same active ingredients, so you know exactly what you are getting into. But it's important for your relationship to take it seriously. Your partner deserves that, right? And you deserve it to yourself to chase that self-improvement like you would with a workout or something at work. As Blue Chew is a chewable, it takes about half the time to kick in, so when the moment's right, you're not sitting and waiting around for a pill to digest. It's made right here in the United States, and it's shipped directly to your door in a nice discreet box so you can skip the pharmacy, the waiting, the line. It's a little cheaper, and you save out on a lot of the awkwardness. And don't get me wrong, Blue Chew is not just for, like, men of a certain age who, like, can't perform the way that they used to. This is for anybody trying to better themselves for the purposes of somebody that they love. And I think that that's a worthy cause, right? So go to BlueChew.com, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com right now. Enter promo code Locked On. You can try it for free. The first one's on me. Check out BlueChew.com right now. Do yourself a favor. You deserve it. Okay, moving on. So we talked about a couple of the positives. There's other positives to talk about, but I think that it would be inappropriate to, like, fill an episode with, like, the moral victory of it all. No, the Vikings looked really bad, and it's, it's, there's a lot of, like, really genuine concerns that might sink the season that I think kind of need to be handled with a sense of, like, panic and urgency. And this is something that I, I definitely want to like rewatch and look at a little bit closer before I like lock into this take. But here's my hypothesis. I guess I should share my hypothesis before I do the actual like methodology of investigating it. Right. I think that's good. Metho- that's that's good practice. My hypothesis is that the Vikings didn't use enough hot reads. This is actually something that Arif San in his preview for the game said this would be a very good idea to attack. You know, that Chuck Pagano defense is to use hot reads. So what, what does that mean? What's a hot read? So say Khalil Mack kicks the crap out of your left tackle as he is wont to do. Uh, and you need to get rid of the ball very quickly, right? You should have, in every play you design against the Bears, every play you plan on using should have some sort of outlet, right? Something like a check down, something like a, a, you know, a, a flip to the running back. But that... Checkdown needs to kind of be in a certain area on the field to take advantage of something like a Khalil Mack. Right? You want to invite Khalil Mack into the backfield and throw over the top of his head for a screen pass or a swing pass. Now, obviously, the good performance of the linebackers took some of this away. So I, I don't blame them like fully. I think part of this is just Chicago being good and it's difficult to move the ball when the other team is good. But I think that they didn't use this particular like strategy enough. I, I think that the, if, if there were one complaint that I would have about the play calling, in addition to the Vikings running a bunch on 2nd and 10, I think that when you should and shouldn't run is a, is a good like full episode topic, so I might table that for a later date. But suffice it to say that running on 2nd and 10 or 2nd and 9 is typically not that good of an idea. Even with the Vikings run game, even when it's good, it's going to get you like four yards and you're going to set yourself up with a 3rd and 5, which isn't a very good situation, where you could run a slant and get a 3rd and 2 instead. And I think a lot of people share that particular complaint with me, so I don't need to get too deep into it. But I think uh, in addition to that, I think the plan offensively was a bit flawed in that I don't think you had enough outlets for Kirk Cousins to handle pressure. And let's use this to kind of talk a little bit about Kirk Cousins. Uh, Obviously, he folds under pressure, right? And, And even under, like defensive pressure, like guys running at him pressure. Sometimes he does really stupid things and he fumbles all the time and that's a huge issue. Uh, but also just under like this game matters a lot pressure, right? Like if you get him in the playoffs, like, I can't imagine that guy like rising to the occasion. It just, from everything we've seen from him, it seems like he is somebody that is a little bit of a choke artist in the big moment and under the spotlight. And and this was one of those games that you could feel the gravity of it. You know, you could feel how much it mattered to them and, and how frustrating it was that they could didn't get anything, you saw Diggs and Thielen like yelling on the sideline to guys, you saw people arguing. And personally, I'm a big fan of that. I let your passions out, guys. Like emotions are important, and and you shouldn't just be like this buttoned-up robot all the time. I want them to be frustrated. I don't want them to be sleepwalking through this. This game was frustrating, and I want the players to be just as frustrated as the fans are. So when they cut to like Diggs and Thielen like yelling and, and you hear guys like behaving poorly in the locker room or, or like running away from the medians, good. I say good good. I'm glad that they're pissed off because I think that that will motivate them. And and it tells me that they care a lot more than some teams I think would in a situation like this. Teams like Oakland that maybe aren't as well coached. Teams like Pittsburgh or Cincinnati or especially Miami. I'd much rather have my team believing that it could be so much better and pissed off that it's not. That's very good. Get mad and then go use it. But back to the original point, if you, I don't think you can reasonably expect Kirk Cousins to just create under pressure in the way that a Pat Mahomes would or the way that a Baker Mayfield would. I, I just don't think that that's part of his game. So you have to work something in that he can execute. If you get... Pre- I, I think he's very good at executing, like, if-thens, right? If Khalil Mack gets pressure, then throw to the leaking running back down the same side. I think that that's a very easy thing for Kirk Cousins specifically to execute. And I think that that m- better matches, like, his style of thought and just the personality of who he is, give him if-thens for that. And that's there's a lot to kind of work in, but I think that that complexity is much less of an issue for Kirk Cousins than the play is working, is breaking down, and I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. I have to figure it out on the fly. That's not a situation he's ever really thrived in. And I think the Vikings probably could do more to make it so that we get to that improvisational space less often. A couple other things that I just, I I guess, I feel very neutrally about that don't bother me a lot, and then we'll get to the real angry stuff in a bit. But there was a a baffling timeout I wanted to explain really quick that happened with uh, 2.02 to go in the first half. Uh, Mike Zimmer took an inexplicable timeout that didn't even, like, stop the clock or anything. The the play clock was at zero, and they were about to punt. There was a bunch of confusion. Essentially, what happened here was Mike Zimmer thought that there were 12 men on the field, and so he tried to take a timeout to avoid getting the penalty. It was fourth and three. It would have given the Bears a first down. So he tried to take a timeout to avoid that penalty. Where Mike Zimmer was wrong was that the player—the 12th player actually had gotten off the field on time— and that the bears didn't appear like they were going to actually snap it. They essentially tried to induce confusion. I guess it worked. They tried to induce confusion by bringing out their kicker, and then kind of switching and bringing out their punter, or maybe that was just indecision that worked out, hard to tell. Uh, but they basically did a crazy, confusing thing, and I think what they were going to do is just take the delay of game penalty, back it up five yards, and that actually makes it easier for the punter to pin you, just to give them a little more space to work with. Is I know it's counterintuitive, but it's something teams do often, actually. And instead of paying attention to that and just letting the play clock run down to zero, Zimmer thought that they were going to get quick-snapped thanks to all of the confusion that all the, like, personnel switching that the Bears were doing induced, and so he was worried that they were going to allow a conversion on fourth and three, so he took the timeout. Now, of course, it's super ironic that the Bears come out and convert a fourth and three on you anyways, and I believe it was Mackenzie Alexander that gave that up, and I thought that he particularly had a poor game on defense, but I don't really have a huge problem with anybody else's game on defense. Again, you know, have to look a little bit closer to be able to say that sweepingly, but I think that also got Mackenzie Alexander benched, which helps me say that with a little bit more certainty, and I think Mike Hughes played out just about the rest of the game. So my extend uh, Mackenzie Alexander the and take, not off to a great start. So that was a weird moment. I'm also not bothered by the way that they handled the end of this game. Uh, For one, I don't think there is an answer that gives you a great win probability, so you kind of have to just work with what you got. But essentially, there was some complaint that the end of the game, so they they were down 16 and nothing. That final touchdown drive uh, that actually would have gotten them within one score if they had gotten the two-point conversion took like four of the six minutes remaining off of the clock, and that's a little bit too much. Uh, And there's two things. For one, I would imagine that throwing deep is probably a bad idea considering the way that Chicago would defend that kind of thing. It seems that they were playing very soft coverage designed to take that kind of thing away and I don't think Kirk's ever going to throw that ball even if you design plays for him so it, like if if you you can design four verticals he's still going to check it down because the guys are all covered like that's just not going to work like you're you're just banging your head against a wall um but also they were actually asked about this after the game and Kirk Cousins basically said yeah we were playing a, a two drive strategy essentially meaning we knew you had to basically go touchdown two point touchdown two point to to uh to tie this game up. And so we're going to approach the game basically saying that that chain of events is non-negotiable. If we don't convert things into points and don't get two-point conversions, we aren't expecting to, you know, have the luxury of a third possession, so we're not even going to try to play for it. And I actually had an interesting debate with the previously mentioned uh, Arif Hassan, who had the very good preview article that I agree with. I actually disagreed with him on this. He says, no, play for the third possession. So you give yourself a margin for error. I think that that would necessitate you to play into the Bears, the strength of the Bears coverage and probably lowers the chances that you actually get points. But I certainly see the pros and cons of that debate. I think it's an interesting debate, but as it is an interesting debate with pros and cons, it's hard for me to look at the Vikings choice in that and say that it was definitely wrong because I see both sides of what the Vikings were trying to do and what people wanted them to do. So are you guys ready to get mad? Stick around. We're going to get mad in a second.
0: Hi, this is David Locke, the CEO of the Lockdown On Podcast Network. In this crazy, unprecedented, and unnerving time, I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code NBA. Anxiety, stress, need something to calm yourself down, the Calm app is available for you. 40% off to our listeners at calm.com slash NBA. Stuck at home, want fitness? Echelon Fit has been a sponsor of ours, and you can go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you're looking to...
1: All right, so the rest of this show, this game was frustrating. This game has us all very mad, so the rest of this is just going to be event session. I will disclaim, I am not responsible for any of the takes that I drop on this particular segment of the podcast. This is just a space to irresponsibly say whatever we have to say to get this out of our system so that we can approach the investigation of this game with a clearer head and a little bit more of a big picture mentality. So let us ride. This game was an atrocity on the offensive side of the ball. Now, let's start with Kirk Cousins, that human cup of ranch dressing. Kirk Cousins absolutely blew this game. I think with an even average quarterback, you get a whole bunch more of the plays that you wish that you had. And further, I think that there are about 25 quarterbacks in this league that can make plays that Kirk Cousins consistently fails to make game in and game out. He cannot work the pocket. He cannot move left or right to avoid pressure or work the space. And what's super, super frustrating is I see him do it like twice a game just enough to know that you can, but that you don't, because you can't handle the mental pressure of the situation. Kirk Cousins was given $84 million. Now, that's not a contract that I had a huge problem with. I think it's a manageable amount of money, and we've seen that over these off-seasons, but it married the team to him for three years, and that's what I think gives me the most, like, doom-filled perspective on this team, that the Vikings are, are, are stuck with Kirk Cousins for. 28 more games. I'm counting it down in a Twitter thread because I cannot wait to be rid of this absolute catastrophe of a decision. I truly think that it is going to cost the jobs of people that are otherwise good at their jobs. Guys like Rick Spielman, who I am a huge defender of because I think he's a good GM, but this is gonna cost him his job because he panicked in a FOMO situation where he thought Kirk Cousins was gonna like slip away and become the next MVP. And it turns out he's exactly the guy that I knew, that everybody knew that he was. Here's the thing. I shouldn't be right in this situation, I shouldn't be the guy that was able to look at a limited amount of evidence, way less evidence than the team has access to, and be able to come to the right conclusion while they so confidently came to the wrong one. There is now going to be this like whole huge narrative about how uh, Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen are like angry. People think Diggs wants a trade. I honestly don't know where that came from. I kind of explained it on the last show that people thought he was uh, like angry or something and that was completely insane. It is continues to be insane. He's frustrated because he's open on every damn play and the quarterback sucks and can't find him. I'd be frustrated too. And so should Adam Thielen. I think that they should be mad and they should get their dang quarterback up to speed. He's supposed to be a starting quality player. Right now, he needs to be coddled like he is a rookie. I think it's completely unacceptable, and what sucks is that there's nothing the Vikings can do about it. They can't trade him, he has a no trade clause, He's ha- he'd have to waive it. And why would he do that? He's got a, a fully guaranteed, multi-gajillion dollar contract. Why would he ever ask to be traded and ask for some new start? But here's the thing, in five years, Kirk Cousins is a backup. You can put that in ink, because he is very clearly not a player that can take you to the promised land that everybody thought he would. I could not believe that the Vikings fell for the trap that was Kirk Cousins. And I don't think it's gonna be a while before I can forgive them for doing it. But for now, we have to sit here and suffer through 28 more games of him fumbling everything away. Let's actually, let's talk about the fumbles because Kirk Cousins through the last three years. So there's a way to like, look at how bad a quarterback is at fumbling, right? Because a lot of, just about every fumble in the pocket, you can look at whatever offensive lineman or tight end or whatever, screwed up their block and say, oh, you know, it's not Cousins' fault. But here's the thing. You can adjust for that, right? You can essentially look at, at like, how many op- fumble opportunities there were, right? Sacks and scrambles. Those are the opportunities where a quarterback has the ball and could drop it and lose it and screw up, right? And how often do they fumble in that? Kirk Cousins has been dead, in the la- dead last in the league in that for, like, three years. And he was asked about this. In, in, in a post-game presser, he was asked about this. And somebody said, hey, fumbling is a huge issue for you. What can you do about it? What's causing it? And he essentially said, it's a bunch of different things. I don't know, and has done absolutely nothing to fix it. And I find that to be unacceptable. You're being paid $28 million a year to hold on to the dang football and not give it to the other team, and you can't even, like, diagnose why you're going to, let alone how you're gonna fix it, if that were any other job you'd be fired. And I know the NFL isn't any other job, but the fact that he can't even live up to like blue-collar factory standards, let alone the immense pressure of the NFL, he ain't cut out for this. And I'm pretty done watching people try to defend him and his 4,000-yard seasons. Now, let's also talk a little bit about the offensive line, because this thing has been a mess since like 2014. I've tried so hard to to rationalize and to say that, you know, uh, maybe the Vikings are, are, you know, approaching this rationally. Of course, it's a big mess. I kind of do think that the 2016 season set them so far back in like one fell swoop of a lot of injuries and a random retirement and stuff that like you, you kind of it would take time to dig out of that. But it's been time. There has been time. And they've screwed up draft picks. Pat Elfline screwed up. Garrett Bradbury, I have absolutely no faith in. He was embarrassing again. He's been embarrassing for four weeks, and I I do not see a path out of him being embarrassing. The interior offensive line isn't supposed to matter, but the Vikings have found a way to make it matter. That is absurd. You want to tell me moving Mike Gremmers to guard was a good idea? That's another time when I should not have been the person who was predictably right about that. I should be the Rube having dumb takes and the team proving me wrong all the time. They're the professionals. I'm just some idiot in my bedroom with a microphone. I should not be correct about this crap all the time. Riley Reef is average. You have to get an upgrade on him sometime. Elflight and Bradbury are complete messes and you sustain one concussion at right guard and suddenly you can't block their backups. They had backups in the game. They have better backups than everybody else's backups, but that was a preseason roster out there and you got absolutely torched by it. You couldn't move the ball despite having one of the best running backs in the league. You're wasting his time as well. Here's the thing. This team has about three years left. Of, def- of defenders with physical ability that isn't declining. They're going to start aging out soon. And the Vikings wasted the last moment of that time on an $84 million blunder. And now what's going to happen is not only is Kirk Cousins going to get run out of town at the end of this, but so is Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman. And if you think the next guys that are coming in are going to be better than them, you've got another thing coming. This team will compete for a decade. All right. Was that, uh, was that dramatic enough for you? I, obviously, again, I, I will not be held, held accountable for any of the takes. I just said in that little rant, I just had to get it off my chest. It was cathartic for me. I hope it was cathartic for you. And with that, I'm going to end this uh, particularly emotional episode of Locked on Vikings. That was a really frustrating loss and I'm coming off of like literally like an hour after it. So I'm still pretty heated. Uh, But on tomorrow's episode, you'll get more of what you come to expect from this podcast, more of the actual insightful stuff. I'm going to look into the hot routes thing, see if that's actually something that uh, happened or if it was just my impression. I'll I'll look into the PFF data, see who is exactly to blame, who deserves praise in spite of all this. I think that's also very important to highlight and, and, you know, be nuanced about because everybody on the team wasn't bad select people were and they should be blamed but you should praise the people that did well in a situation like this so we'll look at all of that on tomorrow's episode and stuff but I think today it made sense to just kind of get cathartic about it so in the meantime of course you can find me uh, at Luke Braun NFL I will be continuing the uh, explosive runs thread I believe in this game we only got one to look at just the one touchdown the goal line thing so that's a little disappointing but I'm I don't want to continue that throughout the whole season. No promises. I might I might peter out on it. But I'm liking doing it. Uh so you can always find that. I'll, I'll link the the version of it in the show notes so that you can follow along, bookmark that page. Uh you can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. You can find this show anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, and of course, you can always find this show by asking your smart device to play podcast Locked On Vikings. I'll see you all tomorrow with a much more level-headed episode. But in the meantime, as always, skull.